With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Section 13 of the Mabinogion, Volume 1. Translated by Lady Charlotte Guest. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Section 12. The Dream of Ronabwy. Madauk, the son of Maredith, possessed Powys within its boundaries, from Porvoid to Guayan, in the uplands of Arwistli. And at that time he had a brother, Yorweth, the son of Maredith, in rank not equal to himself and Yorworth had great sorrow and heaviness, because of the honour and power that his brother enjoyed, which he shared not. And he sought his fellows and foster-brothers, and took counsel with them what he should do in this matter. And they resolved to dispatch some of their number to go and seek a maintenance for him. Then Madauk offered him to become master of the household, and to have horses and arms and honour, and to fare like himself. But Yorworth refused this, and Yorworth made an inroad into England, slaying the inhabitants, and burning houses, and carrying away prisoners. And Madauk took counsel with the men of Powys, and they determined to place an hundred men in each of the three commots of Powys to seek for him. And thus did they in the plains of Powys, from Abercairauk, and in Allictun Ver, and in Rhedwilire on the Vernwy, the three best commots of Powys. So he was none the better, he nor his household in Powys, nor in the plains thereof. And they spread these men over the plains as far as Nihistun Trevan. Now one of the men who was upon this quest was called Ronabwy. And Ronabwy and Kinurig Vrichgoch, a man of Mouthwy, and Cadugan Vras, a man of Moilvre in Cunlaith, came together to the house of Hailin Goch, the son of Cadugan, the son of Ethon. And when they were near to the house, they saw an old hall, very black, and having an upright gable, whence issued a great smoke. 
and on entering they found the floor full of puddles and mounds and it was difficult to stand thereon so slippery was it with the mire of cattle and where the puddles were a man might go up to his ankles in water and dirt and there were boughs of holly spread over the floor whereof the cattle had browsed the sprigs when they came to the hall of the house they beheld cells full of dust and very gloomy and on one side an old hag making a fire and whenever she felt cold she cast a lapful of chaff upon the fire and raised such a smoke that it was scarcely to be borne as it rose up the nostrils and on the other side was a yellow calf-skin on the floor a main privilege was it to any one who should get upon that hide and when they had sat down they asked the hag where were the people of the house and the hag spoke not but muttered thereupon behold the people of the house entered a ruddy clownish curly-headed man with a burthen of faggots on his back and a pale slender woman also carrying a bundle under her arm and they barely welcomed the men and kindled a fire with the boughs and the woman cooked something and gave them to eat barley bread and cheese and milk and water and there arose a storm of wind and rain so that it was hardly possible to go forth with safety and being weary with their journey they laid themselves down and sought to sleep and when they looked at the couch it seemed to be made but of a little coarse straw full of dust and vermin with the stems of boughs sticking up there through for the cattle had eaten all the straw that was placed at the head and the foot and upon it was stretched an old russet-coloured rug threadbare and ragged and a coarse sheet full of slits was upon the rug and an ill-stuffed pillow and a worn-out cover upon the sheet and after much suffering from the vermin and from the discomfort of their couch a heavy sleep fell on ronabwy's companions but ronabwy not being able either to sleep or to rest thought he should suffer less if he went to lie upon the yellow calf-skin that was stretched out on the floor and there he slept as soon as sleep had come upon his eyes it seemed to him that he was journeying with his companions across the plain of argingroig and he thought that he went towards Rhydegrois on the Severn. As he journeyed, he heard a mighty noise, the like whereof heard he never before, and looking behind him, he beheld a youth with yellow curling hair, and with his beard newly trimmed, 
mounted on a chestnut horse whereof the legs were grey from the top of the forelegs and from the bend of the hind legs downwards and the rider wore a coat of yellow satin sewn with green silk and on his thigh was a gold-hilted sword with a scabbard of new leather of cordova belted with the skin of the deer and clasped with gold and over this was a scarf of yellow satin wrought with green silk the borders whereof were likewise green and the green of the caparison of the horse and of his rider was as green as the leaves of the fir-tree and the yellow was as yellow as the blossom of the broom so fierce was the aspect of the night that fear seized upon them and they began to flee and the night pursued them and when the horse breathed forth the men became distant from him and when he drew in his breath they were drawn near to him even to the horse's chest and when he had overtaken them they besought his mercy you have it gladly said he fear naught ah chieftain since thou hast mercy upon me tell me also who thou art said Ronabwi. i will not conceal my lineage from thee i am idawk the son of munyo yet not by my name but by my nickname am i best known and wilt thou tell us what thy nickname is i will tell you it is idawk corthprodain ah chieftain said ronabwi why art thou called thus i will tell thee i was one of the messengers between arthur and medraud his nephew at the battle of camlan and i was then a reckless youth and through my desire for battle i kindled strife between them and stirred up wrath when i was sent by arthur the emperor to reason with medraud and to show him that he was his foster-father and his uncle and to seek for peace lest the sons of the kings of the island of britain and of the nobles should be slain and whereas arthur charged me with the fairest sayings he could think of i uttered unto medraud the harshest i could devise and therefore am i called idawk corthprodain for from this did the battle of camlan ensue and three nights before the end of the battle of camlan i left them and went to the llechlas in north britain to do penance and there i remained doing penance seven years and after that i gained pardon then lo they heard a mighty sound which was much louder than that which they had heard before 
and when they looked round towards the sound behold a ruddy youth without beard or whiskers noble of mien and mounted on a stately courser and from the shoulders and the front of the knees downwards the horse was bay and upon the man was a dress of red satin wrought with yellow silk and yellow were the borders of the scarf and such parts of his apparel and of the trappings of his horse as were yellow as yellow were they as the blossom of the broom and such as were red were as ruddy as the ruddiest blood in the world then behold the horseman overtook them and he asked of ithauk a share of the little men that were with him that which is fitting for me to grant i will grant and thou shalt be a companion to them as i have been and the horsemen went away ithauk inquired ronabwy who was that horseman Rhyfawn Pebir, the son of Prince Deorthach. And they journeyed over the plain of Argingroig as far as the ford of Rhydegrois on the Severn, and for a mile around the ford on both sides of the road they saw tents and encampments, and there was the clamour of a mighty host and they came to the edge of the ford and there they beheld arthur sitting on a flat island below the ford having bedwini the bishop on one side of him and gwarthegid the son of cow on the other and a tall auburn-haired youth stood before him with his sheathed sword in his hand and clad in a coat and a cap of jet-black satin and his face was as white as ivory and his eyebrows black as jet and such part of his wrist as could be seen between his glove and his sleeve was whiter than the lily and thicker than a warrior's ankle then came ithauk and they that were with him and stood before arthur and saluted him heaven grant thee good said arthur and where ithauk didst thou find these little men i found them lord up yonder on the road then the emperor smiled lord said ithauk wherefore dost thou laugh ithauk replied arthur i laugh not but it pitieth me that men of such stature as these should have this island in their keeping after the men that guarded it of yore then said ithauk ronabwy dost thou see the ring with a stone set in it that is upon the emperor's hand i see it he answered it is one of the properties of that stone to enable thee to remember that thou seest here to-night and hadst thou not seen the stone 
thou wouldest never have been able to remember aught thereof end of section 13 recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey